I want to teach tonight. Um, I want to teach tonight about a singular focus, having one focus. <clears throat> At least, let me say it this way: a singular focus that drives everything else in our lives. If I could impress upon all of us tonight the importance of our relationship with God and how if we will get that right, if we'll make sure our relationship with God is right, it's really hard to mess up all the other stuff. I mean, you've got to really work at it to mess the other stuff up. If, if we would just obey the principles and the precepts found in the Word of God <clears throat> that have to do with our relationship with Him, our walk with Him, it goes into your finances, it goes into your marriage, it goes into your children, it goes into your job, it reaches everywhere. So this, this, is, the, this is the bullseye. I should have put a bullseye up there. Uh, this is the bullseye. This is, this is what we're aiming for is our walk with God. So I'm not going to try to sneak up on you with that tonight. Um, let, me, uh, let me read to you what Paul said in the book, book of Philippians chapter number 3. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. I've got water down here though. My wife stole it. <laughs> What's mine is yours. Some of y'all know that better than others. <clears throat> if you have children, you might know that. <clears throat> so, Philippians chapter number 3. I'm going to begin with verse number 13. Let me read um, <clears throat> 13 and 14 for now. I will come back to this later, this area of Scripture. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I don't consider myself to be one that has got everything together like I wish I had it together. Does that make you feel a little better tonight? Makes me feel better. Paul said, I don't think I've gotten it all together, but I can say this with confidence. I can't tell you that everything is lined up just the way maybe I wish it was in my life. He told us in another passage of Scripture when I'm, when, I, when I'm weak, that's really when I get strong and, and the things I don't want to do, oftentimes that's the things I do and the things I, I uh, want to do and should do, I don't. And he, he tells us a, a little bit about himself and his shortcomings. So he, he, doesn't, he hasn't apprehended. He said, but this one thing, everybody say one thing, this one thing I do, I forget the things behind. I reach forth into the things which are before, and I am pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to live my life in such a way that I can look honestly and with, with complete 
um, confidence in what I'm saying. I want to be able to look at the people in my life, whether it's those in my home or it's those that I pastor. I want to be able to say, maybe I don't have everything just perfect, but I can tell you that I'm giving it everything I got to live for God. And if we'll do that, this is what I, this is what I know. If we'll give him everything we got, he will make up the difference. He will make up the difference. Um, a singular focus. If you were to look at Luke chapter number 19, <clears throat> Luke chapter number 19, uh, verse number 10 is where I'll go, but I'll tell you a little bit about the uh, situation that gets us here in Scripture. Jesus was passing through Jericho, and as he's passing through Jericho, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Some people call him Zacchaeus. I always called him Zacchaeus. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I know he was a wee little man. <laughs> and a wee little man was he. And he cl climbed up in a sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. Now the Lord came passing by. He looked up in that tree. He said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house for tea. Now I don't know where we came up with tea and all of that. Scripture doesn't quite say that. But it did say, I'm going to your house today because I must abide at your house. Zacchaeus desired to see Jesus. And he was not a man who would have been considered a part of the religious crowd or the, or the uh, righteous crowd. He was a tax collector, and he had a problem with overcharging people and taking advantage of them. And he knew that he had the, uh, he knew that he had the strength of Rome behind him to enforce what he would do. And so he was taking from God's people. And, uh, but there was something about Jesus. I don't know if it was what he'd heard. I don't know if he had seen some particular things. But there was something about Jesus that caused Zacchaeus to want to get to where he could see him as he would go by. Uh, and and I, you know what? I'd love there to be such an environment at Sanctuary Church that people come in this place. I don't care what brand of sin they have in their life. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what failures they've had. I don't care how many times they've fallen down. We've all fallen down. We've all messed up. We've all failed. We've all come short of the glory of God. And I, but I'd love it to be that there's su such a reputation about this church. That sanctuary is not just a name we've given ourselves. But that sanctuary is what people experience when they come here. And when they get into the house of God, they know that there is something uh, real about the people here. And there is something, um, there is something that uh, causes them to want to see Jesus. And they know if I can just get to that place, I can see Jesus. Don't you want us to be that kind of a church? Matter of fact, this is not a, anything part of my notes. But why don't we just lift a hand right now and ask God to help us be that kind of a church? Would you help us, Lord?
Would you cause us to be that kind of a place, God? Let people experience you here. Let them, let them hear something, God, that draws them here. Let them, let them get, when they get here, let them be in your presence, God. Amen. Amen. So Zacchaeus did that. And, and Jesus, of course, looks up. He comes to the place where he is. He looks up and he says, make haste, hurry up, come down. I need to go to your house today. And he does. And uh, when, as he's going, people are uh, talking about Jesus, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that's a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. Uh, that's what being in the presence of the Lord can do for you. It causes you to want to make things right. And uh, Jesus makes this statement directly after this. This is where I want to go, verse 10. Uh, Jesus says, well, let's back up to verse 9. And Jesus said to him, This day is salvation come to, you, to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus right here tells us what his singular focus is. He says, I really, at the end of the day, I didn't come to turn water to wine. I really didn't come to heal the lame necessarily. I hope that don't bother your theology too much. But that was not the, the first purpose that I had. Was not to come heal the lame. It wasn't, it wasn't to uh, open a blind eye. But the number one reason that I have come is so that I could seek and save that which was lost. Everything else. Just as I told you with us, everything else comes out of our pursuit of God. Everything else that the Lord ever wants to do in your life or mine will come out of His pursuit to do that one thing. Everything else that He does. Why does He heal? To bring glory to His name. Why does He bring glory to His name? So people will turn toward Him. Why does He want people to turn toward Him? So that they might know Him. Why should they know Him? So they can be saved. Everything he does, he's trying to get people to turn toward him. He had a singular focus. He modeled that to us. And the things that Jesus modeled, those are the things that we need to embrace in our own lives. Amen? If you look at Hebrews chapter number 11, so it's such a, uh, a powerful chapter in, in the Bible. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful, really, to look at the testimonies of the things <clears throat> that the people of God did by faith. And when you begin to read through it, I want you to notice something that, that stood out to me today when I was studying for this message. Um, all these people that are listed in what we refer to as the hall of faith, and that would begin in verse number four. All of these people had a singular focus. If you just kind of look through this, through this with me, Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was the thing he was consumed with. I want to give God a sacrifice that would please him. By, verse 5. By faith, Enoch 
was translated that he should not see death and was not found. For, his trans- for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. A singular focus. Seven, verse seven. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He prepared that ark. He spent the the, the majority part of his life that is accounted for in Scripture. He spent it focused on building an ark. Just building day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as people no doubt uh, ridiculed him for the thing he was doing, he kept building an ark. Let me just give you a couple more. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham, one singular focus. Looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. And so, when you look through all of these, it's amazing to me that the things that we are impressed of uh, with people in Scripture... We're impressed by them. They're all people who had one singular focus. Isn't that incredible? Noah built an ark. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Um, Gideon uh, uh, delivered Israel with the help of God from the hands of the Assyrians. And, and you just go down through all of this list of, of great People of the faith. They all had a singular focus. One thing that they were attempting to do. Psalm 27 and 4 tells us about one of those great, great men of God. uh, Whose name is David. Psalm 27 and verse number 4. One thing, David wrote, have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord All the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. For I got to read. Keep reading. Is that okay? For in the time of trouble. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle. Shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. David said. If I will just. Seek after the Lord, if I will dwell in his house all the days of my life. I know what the end result of that's going to be. God's going to take care of me. God's going to hide me in his pavilion. God's going to take care. He's going to put my feet upon a rock if I'll do that one thing. So that's what I'm preaching for tonight. For us to have a singular focus. To not get caught up with all the noise and everything else that is surrounding us on a daily basis. How many of you ever just find yourself uh, just, it, you almost feel like you're, you're, you're um, drowning in, in, in the noise of this world that we live in. And we come to church on a night like tonight and it's kind of like we, 
we get our head up above water and we, we remember, hey, I don't have to just be constantly flailing about trying to find purpose and, and trying to have something to, to, to hold on to. I've got something to hold on to. But too often we're so consumed with everything else, right? Too often we're so consumed with everything else that, that we forget to have this singular focus. Um, I'll, I'll tell a uh, little something on me. I don't know if anybody else ever experiences this, but it seems like every once in a while when I'm asleep in the middle of the night that uh, I'll wake up in the, in the, from the middle of that sleep, I'll wake up gasping for breath. <gasps> anybody ever done that besides me? Okay, thank you. I'm glad y'all didn't leave me hanging, okay? I would have felt very uncomfortable. I saw some hands going up. I've, I'll wake up just trying to catch my breath every once in a while. I've done that. And uh, it, it, it's almost like, you know, one time I, I, was, I, had, I was face down in the pillow. I think I went to sleep like that. Just, no, I'm kidding. I'm ki- I, am not, I am not insinuating anything. And I woke up trying to breathe, you know, and, and uh, I've, I've, had, I've had dreams where I was trying to catch my breath, and it seemed like I couldn't catch my breath. And when I woke up, I was, I, whew, I can breathe, thank the Lord, you know. And it's amazing that I, I, I didn't have a problem breathing. Breathing was not the issue. I just needed to be awake enough to do it, all right? Something had to happen, and I was in that dream, and, I, and in my dream, I thought, I have to, I have to gasp for air, and, and then I'd wake up and say, how silly is that? Now, I don't know if that illustration helps any of y'all any, but it works for me, okay? And I, I want to make sure that I don't go through life gasping for spiritual breath. That I don't have my head in the pillow and, and instead of just rolling over and saying, I've got all the oxygen that I need. I've got all the, the air that I, that I could possibly want if I just avail myself of it. I don't want to, to live and, 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 and go through life spiritually gasping for breath. It's interesting that as Elijah and Elisha are walking along and they pass uh, all these places, they pass Bethel and Jericho and cross the Jordan River, and Elijah said, what do you want me to do for you? Elisha did not ask for several things. He said, I've got one request. Right now, all I have is a singular Focus, grant me, let it be that I would have a double portion of your spirit. And what happened? God gave him that. God honors people with a singular focus for the things of God. That's an important thing to remember. Solomon went to sleep at night, and as he slept, the Lord came to him, and and he said, "You're, you're a young king, Solomon, you're new at this. Uh, ask what it is that you would like me to give to you. Would you like riches? Would you like long life? What is it that you want? And Solomon didn't ask for riches. Solomon didn't ask for long life. Solomon asked for just the single thing. He said, if you would just grant it, just grant it, that you'd give me wisdom, Lord, because you've got a great people, and I don't know how to go out, and I don't know how to come in before them, and I need your help, God. And the Lord did that for him. And he gave him that one thing. So, 
The point really that I'm wanting to make tonight is that our singular focus really needs to be a pursuit of the things of God. In 2019, this is what we're dealing with. We are dealing with a crisis of priorities in 2019. And it's killing us. Somebody say amen. It is killing us. It's killing the church at times. People in the church. I'm not talking about in a general sense, but I'm talking about uh, specifically people within the church. It's, it's taking people out because they're spreading themselves too thin. And they're trying to manage, they're trying to manage plates. And I'm reminded of the, the guy you go to, uh, the Dixie Stampede or one of those places, and he spins the plates. Y'all know what I'm talking about? On the sticks, and, and he's running back and forth trying to keep them all going. And eventually, inevitably, plates start to fall. You can only do that for so long. And then you're going to find that you cannot keep up with, with, the, uh, with the activity that is needed to keep the... He wears me out just watching him. And he's, and he's going crazy trying. He's, he's, he's looking. And here's the thing. If I'm trying to keep ten plates going at the same time, I can't focus on any one of them because I'm looking at all of them. But I'm telling you that if we'll get the focus on the one thing right, God's going to give us the grace. Everybody say the grace. God's going to give us the grace, which is supernatural help. He's going to give us the grace to take care of all of these other things that we have need of. I don't want to have a a priority issue in my life. I don't want to have a priority issue. So I'm, I'm trying my best, and I'm like Paul. Maybe I haven't apprehended yet, but this one thing I do. I'm reaching. I'm pursuing. I'm after the things of God. And I'm trying, I'm putting that above everything else. I've made up my mind as a, as a husband. I'm going to pursue the things of God first. And then I'm going to let God take care of all the other stuff. As a parent, I have made up my mind. I will pursue the things of God first. Now, can I be honest with this tonight? This is Bible study I'm wanting to teach tonight. Can I be honest with this? I think that's probably uh, the home that I just mentioned. I, maybe I should save this for Sunday, y'all. The home is where we begin to, to mess this up first. I know our, our, our relationship with our spouse is so important. I get that. I am of the belief that your relationship with your spouse is more important than, than your relationship with your kids. I don't know if you like me saying it that way, but I think you all know what I mean. I, I, I'm going to, I, I want that to be right first. Because... My kids are going to watch how I treat my wife. My kids are going to learn from how we interact with each other. And my kids are going to be out of the house one day. So I'm, I'm, doing, my, I'm doing my best to, to try to keep that first. And parents, we need to be careful because that is a hard thing to do. Because our kids are more needy, right? Hear it, children. No, that's, it's true, Our, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad sense. 
our kids are more needy. You know, uh, if if we don't if we don't get them some food, they won't eat. You know, we don't tell them to brush their teeth. They're not going to brush their teeth. <laughs> and sometimes you still got to check up on them after you told them to do it. We don't tell them to do different things. If we don't help them do some things, I, I posted that deal the other day. We were, we were laughing about it. Um, we were sitting down, and Nora came into where we were and said, uh, can one of y'all come help me heat this cinnamon roll up? She wanted the cinnamon roll for breakfast. Can one of y'all come help me heat this cinnamon roll up? And she had it all ready to go. And, and my wife, knowing that there's no way she can reach it, our, our microwave is high, you know. I barely reach it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd go there before one of y'all went there, okay? <laughs> so my wife said something like, why don't you go see if you can do it? Because you've been growing and you've gotten taller, you know. Why don't you see if you could? We knew she couldn't do it, you know. So she kind of, so she goes to do it and she comes back in and she said, I can't do it. And, and my wife said, well, that's just unacceptable. That's just not going to work, is it? And she said, but you don't understand. I'm a little six. <laughs> she's six years old. She said, I'm a, and she's saying, I'm a small six-year-old. You know, I'm just a little six. And, uh, and we just, oh, Lord, we laughed and laughed and laughed. We thought that was the funniest thing. She needed help. She needed help. And she did get the cinnamon roll. My wife wanted me to make sure everybody knew that the other day. We weren't being mean to her, okay? We were... We were joking her. That's what we called around our house. And so she got her cinnamon roll heated up and everything. It was all great. Um, so uh, she needed help. And, and our kids are going to need help. And so sometimes we put most of our attention to what, what is pulling on us the most. Right? And so may, I should have saved some of this for Sunday. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll repeat it. That's right. So what happens is, because I know she can take care of some things, do you know how many notifications I get a day with her sugar dropping or something at some point during the day? And if I'm busy, really, because I'll, I'll look at them. I, here's the thing. I know she can handle it herself. I don't check on her with that stuff as much as I should. I'm sorry. I, don't, I get a notification on my phone because my phone's connected to her blood sugar level reader thing and <laughs> that's the technical term <laughs> are y'all okay tonight I'm, I'm glad to be home be myself and um and so i'll get that notification on my phone and sometimes i'll look at it and it'll be it'll say it's headed straight down or something and i say to myself i'm busy right now i'm trying to take care of this i'm trying to take care of that i got the kids i got the church i got something going on she'll be okay she can handle it and I put her on the back burner when I should be putting her at the forefront. And I'm repenting of that tonight. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to do better. Boy, I hate it when I preach to myself. <laughs> and we've got to be careful we don't get these things wrong. We've got to keep everything in its, in its right order. And so I'm saying, <clears throat> I'm saying that to say this. So now I got distracted from that priority by this priority and I got distracted from the kids because something came up with the church that I need to get taken care of and and I got distracted from the church because I had this phone call of something else that needed to get taken care of and before long I'm spinning plates 
And every once in a while, I've got to go back and say, God, give me a singular focus. God, if my spirit is going to be right, and I'm going to be the husband I need to be, if I'm going to be the dad I need to be, if I'm going to be the pastor I need to be, God, you've got to help me right now. I've got to get focused again on the thing that matters the most. Amen. Amen. And, and here's the thing. My kids are never probably, maybe when they're older one of these days they'll do this, but typically probably going to be very slight chance that my kids ever look at me and say, Dad, well, maybe they will. You need to go pray. <laughs> maybe they will do that. No, they're going to be focused. Dad, can you take care of this? Dad, can you do that? And I've got to learn every once in a while to say, God, help me, help me get, I've got to get these are things that need to be done. But God, let me get this right. Because if I mess this up, I'm going to mess all the other stuff up. And I am, I am consumed with being the man that I need to be so that I can take care of all the other things I need to take care of to their greatest potential. You don't want a pastor who doesn't have a walk with God. You don't want a pastor who doesn't pray. You don't want a pastor who doesn't study. and You don't want a pastor who doesn't love the people that he's leading. So God, help me get my spirit right so I can, I can do those things the way they need to be done. But too many times we're focused, we're getting carts in front of horses. And tonight I'm saying, when was the last time you said, God, help me get this correct? Here's the question we really need to be asking ourselves. How are my pri- and I know I've hit priorities recently, but how are my priorities lining up right now? I've preached through it, but I want to talk through it right now. How are my priorities lining up right now in my life? What am I devoting time, prayer, resources? What am I devoting those things to the most? What's pulling on me? The most. And I'm saying tonight, oh Lord, help us to get it where it needs to be. To get it where it needs to be. And the problem with humanity is that we all have this, we all have this issue with this, this pesky little thing called justification. We all want to justify, don't we? Can we be honest about that tonight? You just had a bad attitude with somebody. Well, well, yeah, I did, but let me tell you why. You, you got frustrated with someone. Well, let me tell you why. And we were always justifying, always justifying. And I deal with it, and you deal with it, and it's the inclination of flesh. And I am saying that when we begin to allow flesh to lead we, we tend to try to lead lives of justification as opposed to, and that's, that's trying to live on the defense, as opposed to living lives following after the Spirit of God. And that's living on the offense. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. So how are we going to get our priorities right? You know, I am, having a, I am having a difficult time. You know, I'm putting so much time into my children that I'm not able to... Here's one. Time out. Time out. I'm just going to pastor for, for a moment here. Here's one. I'm putting so much time into my kids 
on, with school and, and hobbies and their future, their education. I'm putting so much time in, into my kids in those areas that I've fallen off on putting time into my kids with the things of God. It never ceases to amaze me. I'll get my kids where, where they need to go if, if it's something they're clamoring for. Or I know it's something that's going to make them feel good. I wish everybody put that same kind of emphasis on getting their kids to church. Getting your kids in the house of God. I could never overemphasize how important it is just to be in this environment. You talking about this? Yes, this. Wednesday night. Going slow. Just kind of plowing through right now. We're just, no, there's no fanfare. There's nobody going nuts right now. I, that's, I don't want that right now. Why? Because we're talking about the things we've got to have. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot overvalue a Wednesday night Bible study. You know, you know when God spoke to me for the first time and really called me to repentance? It was a Wednesday night Bible study. What was the pastor talking about? I don't remember. It was stuff that was over my head. All I remember is that he said something that convicted my heart. One thing was said, and it caused me to say, "There's Mom, I need to go pray. And we went to the pastor's house after church and knelt down at their coffee table, and I prayed and repented before the Lord one time. That's all it took. Now, that's one service that made a tremendous impact in my life. And that's wonderful. Isn't that great? That's great. But I also don't remember what was talked about or what was said. Matter of fact, I can't remember the title of one sermon that my pastor preached. When I, if y'all, y'all don't ever have this testimony, okay? I'll be upset with y'all. This one's called a singular focus. You know, write it down somewhere if you have to. I can't remember. I was nine years old when we left Houston and moved to Arkansas. I can't remember one, the title of one sermon that Brother Moore preached. Not even one. I was nine years old when I left. I hope you all give me a little bit of mercy, okay? But I can tell you this. I caught his spirit. To this day, when I think of what a pastor is like, I think of Brother Moore. Thank you, Brother Moore. I, when I got to go through Louisiana and spend some time with them and visit with them, just sit in the chair in their living room, and he, is, he is, doesn't get around very well anymore, and he's very feeble. His wife, I knocked on the door. Sister Moore opened the door. She was vacuuming. She just, my mom's just like her. <laughs> Isn't that right? There's a joke. My mom will wake you up at 7 in the morning, 6 in the morning, 5 in the morning. Whatever time she gets up, she's going to wake you up vacuuming. Be right, right in the hall by, by your bedroom. <laughs> and my mom loved Sister Moore. Wanted to be like her. Sister Moore answered the door and she just, she just about fell out, you know, to see me standing there. They didn't know I was going to come by. And she said, come in, come in. She said, Brother Moore's asleep, but come in, we're going to sneak in there. And, and we went in there and he was laying down on that bed and, and, uh, and, and he, he had fallen asleep studying the Bible, and, and, uh, and that blessed me all by itself, and, and I went, and she said, go over there and wake him up, and I, I woke him up, and Brother Moore looked at me, and 
He was so excited to see me, and I thought, that's my hero. That's my hero. I don't remember what he preached, but I remember the way he made me feel. And I remember what I felt whenever he began to preach. And I remember, I remember it wasn't always easy for me as a kid to get into it, but I remember knowing there was something about it. And, and, and I'm just telling you, you can't, you can't put too much value on this place and being in these services. I'm, not, I'm talking about my past. I'm not trying to say that uh, that's how it's going to be with me, with everybody. I'm just saying getting in here and getting in this environment. Michael W. Smith wrote that song, This is the air I breathe. He's saying, getting in this kind of environment matters to me. This is how I breathe. This is how I live in the Spirit. Parents, we've got to keep our kids in church. And this church doesn't wear your kids out. We're not, we're not wearing you out as parents and having you have to be up here all the time. And now, go to James chapter number 1, verses 5 through 8. I, I hope that all that was okay. I just, that was all inspiration right there, the Lord. James chapter number 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask, how are we going to get our priorities right? Let me tell you how. If you lack wisdom, if you're having a problem figuring all this out. Ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you're struggling trying to get your priorities right, you need to go to God in prayer and say, God, help teach me how to get this in the right order. And he will do it. He gives to all men liberally. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You know what that tells me? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Have a singular focus when you go to God in prayer. Ask him with one purpose in mind. Don't ask him because you're trying to get your business stuff taken care of. Ask him because you want, you, you want everything else to be where it needs to be, and he needs to be at the forefront. Ask in faith, nothing wavering. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you waver, you will not. This is what James is teaching. James said, if you're going to waver, you're like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And you better not think, if that's who you are, don't think that you shall receive anything of the Lord. God does not honor divided hearts and minds. Let me say that again. That's one of the things I'm wanting to get to tonight. God does not honor divided hearts and minds. Anybody ever heard of a church called Laodicea? You're not hot, you're not cold. I wish you were hot or cold. I would deal with you if that was the case, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Is that what he said? In other words, God said, I'll have something to do with the hot in spirit, and I'll have even something to do with the cold in spirit. I'll reach for them. But I won't mess with you folks who are trying to have one foot in and one foot out. You're trying to, you're trying to uh, get all this other stuff uh, and, and, and put your focus on that, 
And then you're also trying to say to me, but I want to focus on you too, God, at least as much. He said, I won't handle that. It's got to be all. It's got to be all or none. So he's going through all that. And then he says in verse number 8, a double-minded man. I told you, he doesn't bless the vision. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if we don't get this right, this is, the, this is the calamity of the issue. If we don't get this right, we're unstable in everything. If I can't get God first, I'm going to be unstable in marriage. I'm going to be unstable as a parent. I'm going to be unstable as a saint of God. I'm going to be unstable in my business, in, in, in my employment. Jesus said something very powerful in Matthew chapter number 6. Division's not rewarded in Scripture, by the way. God doesn't bless and reward division. He blesses the singular focus. Day of Pentecost, they're all with one accord in one place. Let's go to Matthew 6 and 22. I'm going to go a few verses here. Matthew 6 and 22. The light of the body, everybody say is the eye. Y'all okay for five more minutes? I do have a t-shirt. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. You've got to have a singular focus. The light of the body is the eye. Have an eye for one thing. Therefore I say unto you, this is so powerful. This is why some people, and I'm, I'm, I've got other stuff that I was going to get to, but I'll end with this tonight. This is why some people struggle so much with difficulty in life. Anybody in this room, anybody at all, have difficulties right now in life? It's amazing. I thought y'all all were Christians. Sure. We struggle, right? We fight some things, right? Yeah. Devil comes at me, comes at you, comes at our families. There's days on the job that don't go so well. You know, even Christians have Mondays. That's why you ought to be at family prayer next Monday night. Just a little free plug right there. Part of the problem is we're divided. We're divided. And if we'll quit being divided, the other stuff won't bother us so much. So Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon, right? And then he said, so therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. 
Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I'll just tell you, you can't do that. Okay, I've tried it. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, the people who are not of the kingdom of God at that time. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows that you have a need of all of these things. God is saying, I understand that this is life, and you've got to deal with that. You've got to have something to eat. Got to have something to drink. Got to have something to wear. Got to have somewhere to sleep. He says, I understand all of those things, but you're worrying about them, and I'm telling you to quit worrying about them. Why, God? Next verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all, somebody say all, All these things shall be added unto you. You know what? He didn't say, uh, he's not talking miracles, signs, and wonders there. That's not what he's talking about, the basic necessities of life. He said, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God, if you will have a singular focus, if you'll seek that in his righteousness All of these things shall be added unto you. In other words, God will take care of you if you will take care of your relationship with God. And that's why David said, I have been young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Who said it? David. What else did David say? One thing. Have I desired of the Lord? And that will I seek after. Remember Elijah? He said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to struggle with getting this, putting your focus where it needs to be? How long will you do that? And as a pastor, sometimes I want to shake some good people and say, How long? Are you going to focus so much on that, thinking you're going to fix that? You're never going to fix that. You need God to fix that. Pastor, pray for me on this. Pastor, pray for me on that. Pastor, pray for us about this situation. Pastor, pray for us about that situation. And I will, and I do. But sometimes I want to say, first, seek His kingdom. In his righteousness. And if you'll make that your focus, I've got a feeling God will take care of all the other stuff. I've told this before, Brother G.A. Mangan. They would go to him and say, when he was pastoring, he'd say, they'd say, uh, Pastor, I need to counsel with you about this situation or that situation. And he'd say to them, Have you fasted and prayed about it for three days? No, sir. Then you can come back 
and we'll talk about it when you fasted and prayed about it for three days. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. That's a little harsh, don't you think? You know what, is, you know what was going on? He didn't want to deal with people who had a carnal mindset. He didn't want to try to counsel somebody who didn't have their priorities in order. And he knew if they'd spend three days in prayer and fasting, some things would start getting fixed in their spirit. And he said it was amazing how many people I'd come up to him three days later. Next service, I'd see them and say, you still need to talk with me? No, sir, pastor, it's all okay. God's got it worked out. Isn't that amazing? That's just shocking to me. No, it's not shocking. A singular focus will cause everything else to get lined out. And I am teaching, preaching, preaching tonight to say let's make sure that we don't mess that up. I know this is beans and taters tonight, okay? I get that. But it's very good. And it's something we all need. And I'm asking you to make a commitment to get God at the top. Get God at the top. Please, 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 with your job, with your family, with your hobbies, whatever it is, please make sure that those things do not begin to eat away at your relationship and walk with God. And I'm so burdened. I'm so burdened. And I am, I really am stopping. I'm trying to stop right now. But I am burdened. Seems like I can preach and preach and preach. And we've had some fabulous services. But I can't make you have a singular focus. I can just encourage you and exhort you and try to, try to come alongside you and say, come on, you can do this. But I can't make you do this. You and I have to make up our own minds to do that. I thank God that I had parents who did that for me. And it's the greatest gift they could have given me. I'll never forget the service we were in. Why don't you stand and make you feel better? I'll never forget the service we were in. Evangelist came in and preached. And buddy, did he preach. He reared back. I like conviction preaching. Anybody else like conviction preaching? I've got some conviction messages I've got ready to preach. So He preached conviction heavy and he preached it strong. And in our home that night, some things changed. And my parents weren't too proud. And they weren't too resistant to the word of God to say there's some changes need to happen in our home. My dad wasn't pastoring. We were living in Texas and God was dealing with my dad about some things and getting some priorities right. And my parents walked up and said, in that service, they walked up and said, hey, this is some changes we're making in the home. We want you to know you're old enough to, to, that this is going to affect you and, and you're not going to like it, but this is what we're going to do. And I said, why? They said, because we want to serve God and we want to go to heaven. And I didn't understand everything. I understood enough to know that these changes were taking place. I'm going to tell you something. That was one of the greatest services. I don't know what he preached that night. <laughs> I don't remember a single word he said. All I know is that something happened that night that changed our family forever. I thank God for it.
because they got a singular focus. I would, I shudder to think about who I would be today if my parents hadn't had a singular focus. And we've got to do that. We've got to pass this on to the next generation. We've got to make sure there remains a strong apostolic church. It doesn't happen without a singular focus. So tonight, God, we're coming to you. Let's lift our hands. Tonight, God, we're coming to you. And we have, we have commitment in our hearts, God. We're stirred in this service tonight. In this simple Bible study, God, we're stirred to recommit and rededicate and to make sure that there is nothing, there is nothing that is interfering in you being the Lord of our lives. God, our pursuit of you matters more than anything else. God, some people don't maybe want to hear it, but God, I, if I don't get this right, it doesn't matter how great of a parent I am or an employee I am. If I get this wrong, I've given them a faulty foundation and I've sent them in the wrong direction. But God, if I can get this right, I can point them in the correct direction. So Lord, we ask you tonight, help us. Help us, God, to focus in on what really matters. Now as you're praying, would you just begin to focus and zoom in on Him? Remember the words of the psalmist, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name. To get somebody begin to magnify. Zoom in on God right now. Focus in on God right now. That's it. Just take just a minute here. Just... Let's just take a minute here. Lift your voice right now. Lift your voice right now. In the name of Jesus. God, we're calling on you together right now. Lord, this is a church that's come together right now to say we have one pursuit that matters most. God, we want the other things. And we know that you said we need the other things taken care of. But you said you'd handle those if we'd seek your kingdom first. So we're coming to you tonight, God, seeking that first. Lord, let... Let your desires be our desires. Let your will be done, not my will be done. A singular focus, God. Let my heart be turned toward you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.